much for joining me, David. Super excited to, to have you on the on the show today. Very excited about the innovation that you and your team are on the journey of it and building it, creating essentially a whole other industry, which is always pretty interesting. But let, let's talk about sort of the journey it took to sort of, you know, get there and maybe the aha moment around starting Fortuna and the mission and what it's all about. My journey to to this to this company really started, you know, much more on the social side than the the entrepreneurship mm-hmm. side. I studied, you know, languages and politics back in college, really trying to understand people and systems, you know, on their own terms. And I moved to Washington DC after college to actually work on on foreign policy. I I learned a lot there sort of like in the in the belly of the beast, but it turns mm-hmm. out that uh, US politics has a very well-deserved reputation for being a total logjam. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, after a few years there, I was getting pretty impatient, just not really seeing the impact of all this work I was doing, you know, what sort of impact it was really having on, on the real world and in everyday life. So I, I quit my job. I moved to India to basically do the complete opposite. I started helping businesses and NGOs with monitoring and evaluation. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, how do they track data? How do they make data informed decisions? I, I loved it there. I, I ultimately realized that database architecture is probably not my true calling either. Uh, sure. But what I did really like was working for a startup with other startups, uh, you know, where like decisions had these really immediate effects for, for communities and for the world. The The story of Fortuna really starts with, you know, going back to grad school and finding human-centered design, which was this perfect combination of understanding people and problems uh, really, really deeply, and then immediately working with those people to solve, you know, those problems together. And it was uh, at the Stanford Design School where I found um, this problem and the people and also the amazing founding team that turned into uh, Fortuna Cools. It started as a, a class project working with an NGO called Rare uh, and a fishing community in the Philippines. Um, and, and sort of this uh, this community in the Philippines and this NGO really uh, gave us a challenge, uh, you know, to, to work on together. And it was how to reduce waste, how to improve packaging, and ultimately, um, most importantly, how to increase the income of, uh, you know, small-scale fishermen there in the Philippines. And the aha moment, as, as you asked, uh, was kind of realizing that they were catching these potentially super high value fish. Uh, Hmm. When we went and and lived in the Philippines, you know, they were catching these yellowfin tuna, which I was used to seeing in in grocery stores for like $30 a pound or something. Uh, But they were just getting, you know, $1 a kilogram or or so. And so so I was, you know, we we were trying to figure out where was that immense value being lost in the supply chain. And it really came down to, to packaging and to, you know, using basically little or no insulated packaging for a potentially high value fish and losing all of the value um, in, in the supply chain after they had caught it. And so that was really kind of the, the moment that, that we knew we really had to focus on, on making you know, better, better packaging and looking around for, for solutions, how to do that. When you were looking around for that, where did you guys start? <laughs> did you start at Coconuts uh, or was <laughs> it, you know, you looked around at what was already out there and, and talk a little bit about maybe what traditional insulation and sort of packaging is and maybe why it's not you know the most sustainable and maybe why it's not the best and then obviously what you found that maybe is a better alternative yeah believe it or not uh our first instinct was not to start uh iterating with with coconuts um (laughs) that that was definitely not the most obvious path and it was not the one that we started going down at first in fact we actually started um still within sort of the universe of plastics just Mm -hmm. because 
plastics just completely dominate the packaging world today. And, you know, they are just completely ubiquitous, whether you're in a fishing village in the Philippines or whether you're, you know, in a, in a grocery store in California, mm -hmm. um, you know, plastics really dominate. We were not thrilled with, with plastics, first and foremost, actually because of the utility. And, you know, plastics gained a lot of popularity because of their usefulness. You know, they're, they're impervious to water, they're pretty lightweight, but um, insulated packaging around the world is really dominated by expanded polystyrene foam, which is, you know, marketed under the, the brand Styrofoam. And Styrofoam is super cheap. It was the main thing we saw being used in, in the Philippines, but of course it's cheap because it is, you know, very fragile. And so people were just going through Styrofoam boxes like you wouldn't believe. I mean, just, um, you know, it would last a couple of trips and then it would be garbage. And sometimes it wouldn't even last that first trip. It was so fragile. So, uh, you know, people were, were, you know, wrapping duct tape around these styrofoam boxes. They were um, building plywood crates to put their uh, styrofoam, you know, boxes <laughs> in, inside of, doing all these crazy workarounds because the styrofoam was really not working for them. And so, you know, we, we saw that we were, we were living, you know, in these, in these pretty remote villages in the Philippines, um, and we were just seeing all these amazing sort of MacGyvered solutions. But what we what we discovered pretty quickly was that, you know, styrofoam was just not the, the right solution here. And, and maybe we could find a better one. Yeah. So we, we sort of started working on coconuts really because we were looking around for a material that was, you know, locally very abundant that we could right. start um, yeah. experimenting with immediately. But importantly, was also not going to be super expensive because, mm -hmm. of course, the other nice thing about styrofoam is that it's quite cheap. And so we couldn't just swap in a super expensive right. uh, replacement and just expect people to, you know, start spending way more on their packaging. And so this kind of class of class of material, agricultural waste, really checked these two boxes. It was super abundant and it was super cheap. It was a waste stream of, of this uh, coconut industry and, and nobody was really doing anything with, with the husks. And so it seemed like a really interesting material to explore. And then it was up to us to kind of figure out, you know, the exact recipe for how to turn a coconut husk into, into useful insulation, which was not something that people were super uh, familiar with before we started. There's not, there's not a YouTube tutorial on that one, huh? Uh, I wish. <laughs> so the coconut husk husk is is what sort of the inner shell of of the coconut yeah exactly you can you can kind of imagine that that sort of uh you know hairy spindly part mm -hmm. um it's mm -hmm. it's just outside of the hard shell and and it's it's a pretty thick layer uh oh, you know okay. for, yeah, for every that's right yeah for every like one kilogram of of coconut you can imagine a, a coconut is about one kilo um up to like half of that weight is actually this kind of fibrous material its use in nature is actually to protect the coconut water and the coconut meat inside. And that was one of our original inspirations. We were thinking, well, you know, nature has already designed this amazing packaging. You know, when you when you chop into a coconut, which we were doing uh, mm -hmm. quite frequently, right. <laughs> living, living on the beach in the Philippines, um, which was not such a hardship, I, I should say. You know, we would always find this cool, fresh coconut water inside. And so that was one of our, uh, you know, initial in, uh, inspirations was, ah. this must be a, a pretty interesting material to be, yeah. to be keeping this coconut package so well and, and let's let's kind of explore it further and, and so that's a really cool way to look at it because it it had to be it had to have some form of insulation right for the 
coconut water to be so fresh uh, for seemingly a long period of time. Coconut water stays fresh if it's not cut open, right? I guess I, don't, I have no idea the science behind it, but I'm sure it's it's a decent amount of a time where it could sit within the shell and, and not be cut open and then finally cut open and still fresh. So at that point, are you like, how far are you into sort of the, the project of, of trying to look at alternatives for, for styrofoam? Was it a little later, later on where you were like, hold on, <laughs> we kind of have everything we need right here. It, it was later on. And yeah, so we had already been working on this uh, project. It started, you know, it, as, a, as a class project in grad school. And then we graduated, we were still working on this as a project, we figured we better start calling it a business. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, we were we were still working on it then. And we worked actually for for a year, uh, just on the on the problem and iterating different designs without really focus focusing too much on the materials. Mm. And we got to a place where we had some really interesting designs, uh, you know, validated, and and we were still using different uh, plastic versions. And so we thought, you know, we understand the the user, the customer really well. We have this this sort of scaffolding for what a solution might look like. And now what we really need to work on is the materials. So we didn't really get too deep into the materials side of things until basically the second year of our business when we we had really already honed in on on the solution we were trying to make. And then we had a, a list of kind of requirements for, for what that material should be. And then we sort of dove, you know, very, very deep into the into the world of, of coconuts and into agricultural waste and fiber and manufacturing. But we didn't really start there kind of in the lab or mm -hmm. with the manufacturer. We started with the with the customers and with the users. And, and I think that process has served us super well. You know, you can get really deep into the material science and the engineering uh, of the packaging, but our our business, you know, is always rooted and our decisions uh, can always come back to what do people actually want out of mm -hmm. this out of this product. And so I think that's a that was a great place for us to start, you know, when we're when we're making a, a new product was to really start with the problem. The year of the business was was where the, the coconuts sort of sort of came to the fore. <laughs> what did you, what did you discover when when sort of talking to potential customers or just people in the industry? What were sort of the the big ping points and, and kind of what did you discover out of that research that maybe opened your eyes a little bit, you know, anytime you go deep into any subject matter, you know, usually you surprise yourself about what you find. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it was, it was a super interesting journey. It's, it's still a, a learning journey that, that we're on. Uh, and, you know, the best way to do it was just to, we were working in these different uh, supply chains or insulated supply chains, cold chains. And we followed, um, you know, fish and later uh, perishable vegetables and dairy. We would just follow these these products from the moment they were taken out of the the ocean or or out of the you know harvested on the farm. And we would just follow that specific fish, for example, you know, out on the boat, you know, into the beach. Uh, we would we would follow it uh, first, you know, the buyer and then the aggregator and then the transporter all the way up to the to the marketplace where where the consumers were were buying that same fish it was a super eye opening experience and one thing we we learned pretty quickly was that the the cheap styrofoam box was really adding up to to a, a big um, expense for for distributors but it was also just a really annoying uh, product for for distributors to use and I think that that was sort of a, an, an early insight that maybe we could we could fix something because aside from you know not wanting to to spend a bunch of money on their packaging you know if you can make an annoying product less annoying for users uh, <laughs> you know you you're you're generally onto onto something here and so I think it's not too 
difficult to close your eyes and just imagine, you know, picking up a styrofoam box, you yeah. know, it's squeaky, there's totally. little beads falling off, you know, you have to be careful, otherwise, you're just going to like crush it. Um, and yeah, it's and it gets really dirty, you know, with with fit with fish, I won't get into the to the uh, into all the nitty gritty, but fish can be kind of gross and can yep. smell kind of yep. off. And so this this whole journey was just people basically plugging their nose and plugging their ears and just like, you know, trying to deal with these styrofoam boxes. And really, you know, it was it was not a good experience for them. So that was sort of the initial insight. It wasn't just a, a high expense and, and a big source of economic loss, but it was, you know, just just the the users, the everyday users mm-hmm. of this product really didn't like it. And so we figured we could we could design something uh, better for them. Yeah. And the the second, just to call out one other quick insight that, that we had there. Sure. Um, you know, styrofoam boxes work pretty well going in one direction, but in the other direction, when when you're sending an empty styrofoam box back from the market to the beach, uh, you have this big empty box, and that's a super inefficient, uh, you know, shipping process. Mm-hmm. Uh, people basically call it shipping air, and people waste a lot mm-hmm. of money just shipping air around the world. And so that really gave us the second kind of target to aim for, which was to make a a collapsible. Um, insulated packaging box so that when it was empty for that reverse trip, you could fold it up and save a lot of space and save a lot of transport costs on, on the back end. That's super interesting. Hey there, my name is Asa Goldstein and I'm the founder of Brandshine Creative Services, a boutique branding agency that helps ingenious heroes save the world, one idea at a time. We work exclusively with impact startups like yours, empowering your success by building your unforgettable brand, your eye-catching visual identity, and your state-of-the-art website. To learn more about how we can help your startup compete against the mainstream brands that stand in your way and to book your free brand audit, visit brandshinecreative.com. So what makes coconut, I guess the, the fiber, like really good? Like how does it, how does it, does it insulate better than styrofoam or is it just overall a much more productive product for the use case? Yeah, so um, it does actually, if you if you process it correctly, it does insulate better than expanded polystyrene foam. And the the insulation um, to to do a, a very quick little uh, thermodynamics uh, lesson here, um, insulation Sweet. basically works by yeah yeah. I know that's what you wanted to to hear, and I'm sure what your listeners want to hear. Um, insulation basically works by blocking airflow and by trapping. Um, air in a barrier so that the warm air on the outside can't infiltrate the cold air on the inside. And so closed cell foam basically does that by trapping lots of tiny air bubbles inside of these these sort of plastic blocks. Actually, if you look at coconut fibers under a microscope, you'll see that they're also made up of these tiny air pockets inside of each fiber. And so it's the it's these air pockets inside of the fiber, as well as the trapped air between the fibers that really uh, block this heat transfer and, and make for really good insulation. We did look at a number of different uh, agricultural fibers, and we found that coconut fiber was was one of the best candidates for, for having this kind of innate uh, good insulation capacity. And then it was really up to us to figure out how to manufacture it efficiently to take advantage of, of that kind of natural characteristic. But it's also that same natural characteristic that is keeping that, that coconut coconut water cool when you when you break into it even after it's been baking in the sun on the coconut tree uh for you know for for days or for months and so the first business 
model or the business case initially is to sell to to these to these fishing markets and through the companies that are that are shipping it is that the sort of right now the sort of business model is for them and then we'll, we'll get into the consumer side which uh i'm pretty excited about but talk about the 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 business model now where the sort of revenue comes from at the moment yeah exactly so we sell just basically to um, distributors and to cooperatives, to farming and fishing cooperatives. Mm -hmm. uh, so groups that sort of aggregate at a at a pretty local level, perishable food like like fresh fish. Mm -hmm. uh, so so the business model is basically to swap in for their existing um, insulated packaging, their their styrofoam boxes, and we can basically swap in uh, one for one with with what they're they're using right now. Uh, and the the boxes, these insulated boxes. Uh, boxes, uh, Fortuna coolers, basically just last a lot longer, perform a, lot, a little bit better, uh, and and fold up for for return trips. And we are selling to, um, yeah, to to these kind of food aggregators and suppliers that have, um, you know, dozens, hundreds, up to thousands of of these styrofoam coolers in their inventory and are constantly replacing them, uh, kind of every every week. And so that's kind of our our initial market there in Southeast Asia. And and the the pitch to them is is simply that. The cost doesn't change, but it lasts much longer. And then you can eventually save money via the sort of back and forth of the lifetime of, of the coolers. That's that's more or less correct. Yeah, we definitely um, lead with this kind of lifetime value of our of our product and life, lifetime cost savings because we can last you know ten to twenty times longer than hmm. uh, expanded styrene boxes. We are a little bit more expensive upfront, and I think uh, for for the small community of startups working on packaging, they will be very familiar with this problem. But packaging is really a scale problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, the packaging industry is massive and basically it exists because of economies of scale. Uh, and so, you know, as a startup making packaging, we just don't have that um, economy of scale quite yet. And so mm -hmm. even though our our raw materials are are very inexpensive and and that was kind of the the cornerstone of of this product that we're building we are still a little bit more expensive um up front than than styrofoam but as we as we kind of scale up our our capacity and uh bring more manufacturing on online um our our upfront costs will will go down a little bit but already over the the lifetime of the of the product um we are saving customers money but you know that that sticker price is is very top of mind for for a lot of customers and, and that's a big target for us. Um, of of course, we do have you know we do we can help uh, businesses tell them a much more environmentally and socially friendly story with our packaging, and I think that's kind of like a nice little cherry on top for a lot of our customers. But ultimately, we are really competing, you know, on on cost and on performance. And and so um, it is, you know, we're our, our costs are, are very top of mind for us. And we're already, you know, basically making that work for for a lot of our customers today. And also, it's like that you could also pitch like the happiness factor. Like, don't you hate dealing with this styrofoam crap? Don't you hate it? <laughs> Your frustrations will be gone. How much is frustration and happiness worth to you? That story and that frustration factor, it resonates differently with, with different customers, but I think um, it's, it's amazing how universal this kind of like spine tingling uh, just like revulsion to, to styrofoam is around the world. Like nobody <laughs> likes when, when styrofoam, you know, shows up at your front door, or those, you know, totally, man. peanuts or anything. Totally. It's um, awful. I feel like you can just hear that, hear that sort of sound it makes when you pick it up and, and nobody likes that. And, and it's, it's absolutely no different in, in Southeast Asia to, <laughs> 
to to your experience here, here in the U.S. And so we definitely have have that going for us when we're making these pitches, no matter who we're pitching. Well, the environmental side, do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Because that seems to be a huge benefit at this moment in time to have an actually sort of environmental friendly packaging is, like you said, I mean, it's economies of scale. I can't, I don't even, I couldn't even put my finger on the numbers of sort of as far as just the, the shipment boxes and the coolers around the world every day, right? But like there has to, obviously there has to be some type of environmental impact for the traditional model versus a new innovation like this coming out. There has to be some positivity from from an impact side, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's what makes us really excited about this and, and about, you know, working on a small scale initially, but just knowing that this massive scale is kind of waiting for us if we can, if we can get it right on this on this smaller scale because you know the the thing about packaging as you say you know it's like packaging is a massive industry agriculture is a massive industry mm-hmm. and we're kind of mm-hmm. working at the at the yeah. corner of agriculture and packaging and so the negative impact of using so much uh expanded polystyrene packaging is really immense you know like 15 million tons of uh, polystyrene are produced every year and that is you know for every every time there's a beach cleanup you know every Mm -hmm. time there's kind Mm -hmm. of a waste audit you see these uh, polystyrene pellets you know you see it in the ocean these kind of like confetti it almost looks like out there just these little beads of polystyrene and you know you see it sort of uh at every kind of like shore you know where where the where the waves are Mm -hmm. are kind Mm of uh lapping at the shore you see this little line of of polystyrene beads. I mean, polystyrene, expanded polystyrene is, is everywhere. It has a really significant impact. And in Southeast Asia in particular, you know, it's a leading source of uh, of mismanaged plastic and ultimately of, of ocean uh, plastics. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so uh, we, we do see in the Philippines, a huge amount of this, uh, of these broken up styrofoam boxes, you know, being blown off of trucks or, or out of, uh, out of little supplier uh, sheds sort of on the beach and straight into the ocean or into, into the rivers. And it's, it's a really significant source of, of marine plastic and of waste. It's it's just a huge opportunity here to, to do something about, about all that plastic in, in the environment. The other, I would just, just call out one other environmental impact, which is a completely different one, but it is the fact that in the tropics and in the Philippines and in Indonesia, um, you know, billions of coconuts are are produced mm. every year. Um, they're they're produced for their meat and for their water inside. And the husks are are also waste. And you know, the the easiest way to get rid of of your waste on the farm is is to burn it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, billions, uh, two thirds or more of the coconuts that are produced in in the Philippines are just burned on the farm and are a super significant source of CO two emissions. You know, it starts to actually register like a couple percent of the CO two emissions of the Philippines is this kind of agricultural residue um, burning and uh, coconuts, like the fifteen billion coconuts produced in the Philippines per year, is actually a, a you know a significant source of of those emissions. And so by by sort of of, um, rerouting that waste stream uh, instead of burning it, farmers can can sell it to us, and so you're it's also an, reducing yes. CO2 emissions. And it's way. another revenue stream for for the community, right? For that company that that's already you know using yes. it for other means. Yes, I mean, exactly. That's, I mean that's unbelievable, right? I mean that's going from you know throwing away something to actually making money off something you're going to throw away. Like that is amazing, <laughs> right? That's... Yeah, no, it's it's great to be working with, um, and and we have some amazing partners who have spent a long time figuring out these uh, agricultural waste commodity chains. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it it is a huge benefit 
for commodity farmers who really are making just the the slimmest of margins if if any on these on these commodity crops like coconut to be able to have a brand new revenue stream that they can sort of pull out of what used to be a waste stream for them uh, without you know needing to to retrofit their whole operations or do anything too differently is a is really a game changer and and it makes us you know really excited to increase the demand for this uh, for this waste product because the supply of coconut husks is unbelievably huge and so we are just working on increasing demand and and sourcing from more and more farmers on that side but yeah, it, it is very much significant for, for farmers, for sure. And, and just to piggyback off that really quick, is that coconuts grow other places around the world, not just Southeast Asia. So in a great world, in a scalable world, for Fortuna, right, you could do this in other with other rural sort of farmers around the world to to have them actually have more of a revenue stream eventually. Yeah, we're we're building out we're building out this model that I think is extremely scalable. Um, so yeah, you 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 said it. Um, there's kind of this belt of coconut growing around the world. The the significant countries, you know, Philippines is one of them, but uh, Indonesia is 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 even bigger than than the Philippines. And and in Southeast Asia, you also have Thailand and Vietnam that are producing a lot, you know, Brazil and South America, Mm -hmm. uh, and India and Sri Lanka in South Asia. So we are really kind of building out this model of manufacturing and production in these rural areas where there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, innovative, different sort of opportunities, not a lot of new value streams. Um, And and we're really building out kind of this this business in a box model that can be um, applied in in other places. And, And we're super excited to be expanding uh, to a couple more countries in Southeast Asia later this year and in, into next year. So yeah, it, it is very much um, expansion is is exciting and it's, it's definitely on our radar and there's a huge appetite for it. At Brandshine, our comprehensive brand strategy process ensures that your impact brand is strategically positioned and can put its best foot forward to both investors and potential clients. Then we work with world-class designers to craft your new logo and your unique visual flair. But we don't stop there. We write, design, and develop your new website in Webflow, a cutting-edge platform that delivers incredible websites that are easy to maintain without our help. To download the free seven-step guide to building a market-ready impact brand, visit brandshinecreative.com slash causeartist. Let's talk about, I, I love consumer brands and especially impact consumer brands is, is top of mind for me all the time. So let's talk about nutshell coolers and Basically, you've taken this idea and installed it into a consumer product, which is similar, I, I guess the best, we won't say comp, but like in America, people will recognize like Coleman coolers or like Yeti coolers and, you know, these sort of coolers you buy at, you know, any type of outdoor store. But Nutshell nutshell Coolers is going to be your product line for consumers to purchase sort of the these innovative new coolers coming out with this technology that, that you guys have created. So talk about, talk about Nutshell Coolers for a little bit. I love this idea. Yeah, for sure. We're we're super excited about it and and excited about kind of the, the larger movement that hopefully this will help to spur um, you know, in, in different parts of the world to get mm-hmm. people really thinking about the products they're using and the materials that they are are made with. Yeah, so nutshell coolers really came out of the fact that when we were walking around uh, you know, pitching Fortuna Cools and, and we had these prototypes that we would always show up to to meetings with with uh, <laughs> customers or with investors and so forth, you know, the meeting would would go well or or not so well. But either way, you know, at the end of the meeting, an investor or a customer would always ask us, Oh, can I like can I just get one of those? Cause you know, it, it just looks really, really cool and, and it looks really different from from anything I've seen. I'd love to kind of like take it to the beach. <laughs> right, yeah, um, for sure. And and so 
we got that so many times, you know, for, for years, we, we sort of got that response and we never, we never thought too much about it, but um, at a certain point, we couldn't really ignore it. And we also saw just this potential to, as I said, to really have kind of a bigger movement and have a bigger conversation about um, these, these materials we're using. And so, yeah, it, it, it really came out, out of that, that sort of organic demand. And also just this weird fact that this kind of outdoors loving market, like when yeah. you walk into REI and you're, yeah. You're looking for for a cooler to take camping with you. Uh, you know, it's people that love nature, that love the outdoors. But all the options that you can buy in REI are these plastic coated, mm-hmm. totally. you know, plastic insulated products. And it was just a, this weird kind of discordance. And I don't think people necessarily think too much about it. Yep. Um, but it just felt like, you know, there was there was an opportunity here to be to be telling a, a larger story and to also help people kind of match the products that they were buying with, you know, their sort of obvious uh, values. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure if people had the, the choice, they would prefer not to be, you know, buying and consuming, you know, more plastic all the time. And so, yeah, we're, we're super excited to, to be um, launching Nutshell Coolers because, uh, you know, to really meet this demand, for for a more eco-friendly um, sustainable cooler product something that just like our our packaging product you can fold up when it's not in use mm-hmm. you know you can throw it in in your in your car or or under your bed if if you live like in an apartment and you don't have you know a, a closet to devote to a to a new you know clunky yep. cooler um but you know you can you can expand it you can take it uh camping take it to the to the grocery store if, if you need to get some some milk or some ice cream and yeah it can just become basically your your insulated bag or box of, of choice. And I think that there's, besides just really solving, you know, this, this kind of problem for people, I'm really excited personally, just about, you know, starting getting people thinking, as I said, about, about kind of the materials and, and consumer choices that they're making. And I think people are really going to resonate with the larger story and, and about kind of the, the mission that this, this product represents. And I'm, I'm pretty confident, pretty optimistic that, you know, that, that people are going to get excited um, when they can connect this very unique looking cooler with sort of the the farmers and the the supply chain and, and the larger story that that it represents it, it does not look like you know just another uh, plastic cooler that you can you can buy off yep. the shelf in in, in rei <laughs> totally totally no it all makes sense and and it it's going to launch on kickstarter and it'll be live on kickstarter when this releases what's sort of the turnaround time like when can people like expect to actually get one of these bad boys <laughs> so um i don't want to jinx myself but sure. we have been making coolers for for a couple of years <laughs> and so even though this represents a you know an upgraded a, a bit of a different design for the consumer market and to have these sort of uh, unique little little touch points and experiences for for consumers under under the hood we have gotten pretty good at, at making coolers and so again uh, knock on wood but it should be just you know just a few months of, of turnaround time we might just barely miss this uh this crazy mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. summer that that we're about to have but maybe at the <laughs> tail end of, of summer we're going to start delivering and 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 having a, an inventory that we can deliver straight out of so so not too long between when we go on sale and when we're we're going to be in the market uh, around the world amazing man well usually i like to end a little bit on on the future and some of the the goals and successes you'd like to see over the next three to five years whether it be from you know the b2b market or, or the b2c market um just talk about a little bit of the goals that you and the sort of team have you know long-term vision wise for for the company and the brand the mission for the consumer product and the the packaging product, so Nutshell and Fortuna, you know, it's really the same um, and it's made with the same material. And so we have the benefit of being able to track our our impact and our performance in, in 
the same way. Um, and so it's it's really about, you know, how much plastic can we avoid producing and, you know, how many farmers can we can we support by by buying their their leftover waste product and and increasing their value stream. In in the next two years, as I said, our our goals are really about expanding our production sites. So taking kind of this one production site that we've scaled up in the Philippines and and replicating it um, in Indonesia and in Thailand. And so bringing on uh, you know a thousand more farmers into our into our production uh, supply chains. And you know aside from from these these ex a thousand more farmers, we do really track you know how much plastic waste uh, is is avoided with with each cooler. And so we do have a pretty pretty ambitious targets there. We're we're definitely hoping to avoid thousands of of tons of polystyrene waste. And and our five year target here is is really to avoid a hundred thousand uh, tons of of polystyrene around the world from from having to be produced and and replace it with this natural biodegradable um, coconut husk fiber. So it's it's a huge number. Um, it's it's something we can put on the wall. But you know we can we can really start tracking it uh, every day with each cooler that we sell is, is, you know, a dozen or more expanded polystyrene coolers that, that don't have to be produced and are then, you know, not not broken, not left, uh, you know, by the side of the road and not, you know, blown out into the into the rivers or into the ocean. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of our our target kind of expanding geographically and and increasing the amount of plastic that we're we're avoiding in in the environment. Amazing, my man. Well, well, thanks so much for taking the time. It's really really cool what you and the team are on and the, and the mission and, and just the the idea and the journey of it all. I mean, you know, the research and just doing testing and years of just grinding, man. Like that's that's what it takes, you know. And it's it's cool to hear stuff paying off, right? And then things are are moving along, and it seems like you're building a company that's going to be around. For for, for a really long time and, and impact a lot of lives, both financially, but also environmentally. So, I, I mean, it's just a, it's a really cool story, man. And best of luck to you and, and the rest of the team for next decades to come. Really appreciate it, Grant. Yeah, it's it's an awesome ecosystem of, of partners and, and communities and, and consumers and customers we're building. And so we're, we're super excited about, about what, the, what the future holds for, for us and for all of our partners around the world. It's, it's exciting.